Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to OESA Automotive Insiders. I'm producer host Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here with a very special guest. His name is Anurag Garg. He's the vice president for product management for platform analytics and IIoT. That's Industrial Internet of Things at Plex Systems. And today we're going to be talking about, listen up everybody, important, how savvy automotive suppliers can outpace the competition. I know I have everybody's attention at that point when they tackle industry megatrends. What are the megatrends? How do you get on top of them? How do you meet those challenges? Anurag Garg, welcome to Automotive Insiders. How are you today? Hi, Bonnie. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Appreciate being here. Glad to have you. Let's get some background here. You have a long title. Sounds like you're a very busy gentleman. Why don't you tell us what you do at Plex and rumor has it that you're a very successful entrepreneur. We want to hear that. Go ahead, Anurag. Sounds good. Uh, so my role at Systems is I'm the Vice President for Product Management and Product Strategy. Uh, so I lead lead about half the portfolio here that includes all, all of our core platforms. So backend, common service that run our ERP and MES products. Uh, I also lead the product management teams for our industrial IoT or asset performance management product, uh, our analytics portfolio, our EDI portfolio, as well as our user experience teams. So I've been at Plex for about three years and uh, loving every day of it. So tell me about the company you started. And we know that a successful entrepreneur starts with something in mind called an exit strategy. What are you doing? <laughs> what need are you solving? What questions are you answering? What product or solution does the world need that only you can provide in a unique way, right? And who's going to take you out of that? And what happens next? So what was your company about? You've got it all down, Bonnie. That's I'm fantastic. glad. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, back in 2013, um, I was a grad student at Purdue um, and doing some research on sensor technologies. And we were playing around with the commercial potential of some of those sensors. Um, well, the, the startup idea for a company called Datus came from that. Uh, we were uh, talking to a lot of manufacturers and other heavy industries about... Um, uh, the potential for sensor technologies in those environments to predict and prevent machine failures ahead of time. Um, so Datus really was born out of solving a customer problem, more so than exit strategy. And the exit strategy came later. Uh, but the intent was we, we found a problem in the market where, um, uh, you know, what we call industrial IoT today, which is basically pulling data from machines, making it available in an easy to use way for manufacturers um, in a cloud environment with analytics and, and, and decision-making um, was only available to a select few manufacturers in, in the market, right? So my, uh, our, our thesis was 90% of manufacturing facilities in the US as companies with less than 500 employees. So um, they don't usually have access to advanced technologies that help um, them drive smart manufacturing, right? As much as we heard about smart manufacturing, IoT was only available to the top 10. So we said, well, what can we do to simplify access to smart manufacturing technology 
for those manufacturers, um, uh, take what used to be six to 18 month IT-led implementation projects, super expensive, down to something plug and play out of the box that we could deliver in a day. In a day. Uh, so that's what we did. That's the idea behind Datus. Um, uh, built a, a really fun company over over three years. Um, and uh, in 2018, I had an opportunity to join forces with Plex um, and uh, take our vision to new heights. So, so that's, that's what we did. Um, it's been a fantastic journey so far. I bet. Now, you said plug and play. You said in a day, and you said have fun. Everybody wants to hear those words <laughs> all together. If you're going to create a company, we want plug and we, we don't. And you mentioned that these uh, these opportunities for IoT were not available to to many companies, and you brought them. Sounds like you solved a real need, and congratulations on being acquired. That's certainly an Thank achievement. You. So doubly happy to speak with you. Now let's talk a little, I have a personal question to ask you. I'm sorry, Anurag, I asked this of all my guests, but I did warn you when you said it was okay. So the question <laughs> is, do you remember the first car? Now I can qualify that the first car either you ever drove for more than one time, legally, maybe not, or the first <laughs> car you ever owned. What year was that? What year was the car? What was the color? What was the make of the model? And any special memories you're allowed to share with us? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so the first car I owned, uh, I purchased in uh, 2009. Um, it was a uh, black uh, 99 Volkswagen Jetta. Um, that was my first car. Uh, it was uh, uh, it was a, a graduation gift, I guess, as I was graduating undergrad. Um, special memory with that car. Uh, now the funny thing about entrepreneurs is, uh, you know, you're you're scrappy in the early days. So that car, uh, uh, myself, my co-founder, uh, uh, we used to joke that was our first conference room because we'd be on the road traveling to customers. Uh, and would get a lot of work done in that in that car. Uh, a lot of conference calls in that car. A lot of discussions in that car. So, so yeah, um, uh, our first conference room <laughs> was a '99 Volkswagen Jetta. <laughs> what a great story. We don't usually hear stories like that. We, we hear about people who have to live in their cars, but working in their car is interesting. And in this day and age, we're now, we're recording this late. Well, we're just early November, 2021. Uh, we're trying to say that we're coming out of the pandemic. We know that work went remote, but we didn't say mm -hmm. that a lot of work went remote on wheels. So, right. <laughs> so I hope when you were doing all that, the car was parked safely somewhere. We're just going to leave that one alone. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> that is a unique story on a rug. I haven't heard anything quite like that. Very, very interesting. What was your second car, by the way? The second car was a 2002 Chrysler Concorde Limited. That was our second conference room. So, <laughs> until think, eventually we graduated to a real office. <laughs> I think you win the prize for best first car stories here on Automotive Insiders. This is truly an episode of Automotive Real Insiders. He was inside the automotive when he was doing his business. I love it. Thank you. We have a lot to talk about. I'm looking at the topics you sent me, and I know that our listeners, and, and I hope people get to see the video as well. I am on Zoom here looking at Anurag. We're having a face-to-face here remotely and I'm, I'm really enjoying talking to you 
first topic, we want to talk about the challenges that have been facing manufacturers throughout the last two years and how these challenges have accelerated the need for, big word today, innovation. I'm also going to add agility. We know about that. Resiliency, all those good words, and smart manufacturing. And we're going to talk about supply chain shortages still with us, yes, every minute of every day, labor shortages and retiring workforce. Anurag, why don't you give us a give us the uptick or the lowdown on all of these important topics, please. Absolutely, Bonnie, and and, and I think if if the um, uh, audience here is uh, folks in the automotive industry, I think everyone understands the fact that the last two years for manufacturing in general, and especially automotive, has been painful. Right uh, since the start of the pandemic, yep. um, you know, we we would like to say twenty twenty, right, one star out of five uh, would not recommend, and and, and that's kind of been. Uh, been a tagline uh, uh, in, in, in most of our uh, presentations here at Plex. Um, but, you know, if, if you think about what the pandemic has done, a uh, complete shutdown of manufacturing operations uh, in the middle of 2020, um, uh, staffing challenges, right? Uh, people affected not, not only on the business front, but on the personal front. And of course, that, that has a follow on effect on businesses. Um, uh, supply demand challenges, right? Uh, people hoarding toilet paper, for example, and what the pressure the pressure placed on the supply chain. Um, uh, meat production um, in the automotive industry, right? Just when we thought the industry had begun to rebound back, now we're seeing supply chain challenges, right? With ships stuck off the coast, right? Not able to dock. Uh, uh, the semiconductor shortage, which is sh- which is shutting down car production again. Um, it's been a very, very challenging year, right? And, and to compound it um, even further, uh, something we've known over the last uh, several years is uh, manufacturing uh, is about to see a huge um, uh, shortage of labor, right? Um, a, a few years ago, there was a stat that was published that said uh, 40% of the manufacturing workforce will retire in the next 10 years. So if you if you put all of that together, um, you know, I've got all these pandemic related challenges to the normal operation of a manufacturing facility. You have supply chain challenges. So even even if a manufacturing facility can function, you can't get the parts in place. Um, and if you got all of that, now you're dealing with how do I run a manufacturing operation leaner because I can't hire people fast enough. I don't have enough people to run my operation. Um, so from it. From a manufacturing perspective, uh, you know it's um, it's been a rough two years where you know all these uh, massive challenges have compounded all at the same time and forced manufacturers to rethink what competitiveness means. Right? It used to be, can I produce the most parts at the lowest cost and the highest quality, and that was it. Now it's about so much more. Right? It's about how agile and responsive can I be in light of changing conditions. Am I able to switch on a dime and manufacture something else, right? We saw the number of manufacturers last year that switched to making uh, PPE equipment um, and uh, uh, hand sanitizers, right? The manufacturers that, are, that have been able to come through this have been able to pivot on a dime. And, and uh, that's, that's what we're going to talk about here today. Thank you very much. Very, very interesting I remember speaking with Julie Freem, the CEO of OESA, mm-hmm. almost two years ago. Well, I hate to say it was almost two years ago. It was around the beginning of the pandemic. And she told me at that point in time, it might have been, you know what, late spring, early summer 2020. Seems like forever ago on a rug. And she told me that the U.S. 
automotive assembly lines, if we, if I can still use that antiquated word, the factories of the cars had completely stopped 48 days. Not a single car was driving or being pushed or pulled off of. Today, we hear on some of our very interesting guests like you here on Automotive Insiders, uh, it was interesting that somebody said cars are being made without the chips they need because of the chip shortage. So manufacturers are parking them in these gigantic parking lots. And then the question is, when the chips are available, how do you find the chip for that particular car? And where did we park that car? It's, it sounds very, very pedantic, very pedestrian, actually very simple, but apparently it's not. It brings a whole new level of logistics. Where did we put mm-hmm. the damn car? And what do we have to put in it to make it ready? And where do we need to deliver it? You just don't take it off the line, have it ready to go, send it to a dealer and say, okay, somebody could buy this. So complexities abound. Let's get into the mega trends. I know you have four trends you want to talk about. These are the biggest trends Plex Systems has identified. And let's talk about how the savviest manufacturers, the ones who are surviving, thriving, and being the most competitive, are setting themselves apart by, shall we say, meeting these challenges or besting these challenges. You use your own verbs here. First one is operational control and efficiency. Tell me more, please. So with operational control and efficiency, right, the, the, the idea is if you're going to pivot the way you run your manufacturing facility and change practice from what they used to be, the first thing you do, and we'll talk about four of these, right? the first thing you do is look inwards to say, how do I optimize my own shop? Right? How do I run better? How do I run leaner? How do I prevent waste? How do I improve efficiency? Um, and within that realm, what we found um, the savviest manufacturers able to do are able to understand what are the factors they have control over and what are the factors they don't have control over. One of the things um, we've identified at Plex, and, and, uh, and by way of background, for those who don't know who Plex is, right, we serve um, uh, over 700 manufacturers, 2,000 facilities in more than 30 countries, uh, providing enterprise software to help them run their entire manufacturing operation. So there's 25 years of experience global experience into what makes manufacturing a success. What we've seen is manufacturers that look inwards first to, to identify areas of opportunity and efficiency. Uh, uh, the common denominator that impacts every single manufacturing KPI is machine health. So uh, one of the biggest megatrends we're seeing in this industry right now is manufacturers spending more and more time ensuring they have reduced unplanned downtime they prevent, uh, uh, it predict and prevent machine failures and accidents mm-hmm. or quality issues. And the intent there is if you're able to control what your machines do, right? If your machines don't work the way they're supposed to, it has a domino effect on production, on throughput, on scrap, on overtime, because you can't do enough production regular time, so then you're paying overtime. You have delayed shipments, you have quality issues. It has an impact on your P&L. Um, uh, we found manufacturers, you know, as a first mega trend, the first thing they, they, they do is they look inwards and say, okay, what do I have control over? I have control over how my machines behave. That's where they invest, um, and are able to drive a little bit more consistency in the, consistency in their operation, right? So we've seen, mm-hmm. uh, some of our leading award-winning manufacturers reduce, you know, up to 30% unplanned downtime and waste mm-hmm. from their operation. Use focus on machine health to improve throughput by 10%. Um, 
uh, eliminate reporting delays by you know, 12 to 16 hours by, by automating processes, win multiple awards. So, so there's a lot there. Um, and, and, and it's not surprising, right, um, that because this is such a big trend, a lot of innovative technology companies and startups in the space focus their attention on driving value in asset performance management or reducing unplanned downtime. So that's, that's the first big thing that we see, and there's so much opportunity there for manufacturers to focus. Very interesting. Yes, in downtime, it's not a question of, oh, damn, that machine stopped. What are we going right. to do now? Call call Bob, call Tony, call Mary. They got to come and fix it. It's we think, we predict, we know we're going to need X, Y, Z. And they're saying this about cars, too, that at some point in the near future, and maybe for some automobiles already, you would get a message, you would get a, a the voice of your choice in your car, Anurag. And it would say, Anurag, respectfully, the belt is about to break. You've got 14 miles to go. We made an appointment for you at, at uh, Elizabeth's Garage. It's exit 14. You can get off there. They accept Apple Pay. We've already prepaid for you. The belt is there. You can have lunch at the diner next door. We know you wanted the rare hamburger with the pickle. And we've already ordered it for you. And you'll be back on the road in 22 minutes. And the next exit you will get back on and you will be at your meeting on time. Wouldn't that be nice? Talk about predictive. That would be wonderful. That would be <laughs> wonderful. And that's, that's what we want in our consumer lives. Yes. But the, the, the manufacturing world, the manufacturing facilities today look so different. Um, and when I started started in this industry, I was under the impression the, the the level of technology we have in our consumer world would mimic what you would see on the manufacturing floor. But anybody who walks the average manufacturing facility in this country or anywhere in the world will see how far far that vision is uh, from reality today. Interesting. Let's go to megatrend number two: <laughs> digitization. I said it right, and automation. What about this megatrend? What are the winners? What are the savvy manufacturers doing today? So, so I'm going to go back to the example you just gave from the consumer world, right? Um, if that's what we expect in our consumer lives, if you go to the manufacturing facility, the way manufacturers still operate today or, or have operated for a long time is paper-based control, right? Everything is recorded on paper. Everything is tracked on paper. You, you walk through the facility, you see boards with paper stuck on it. And then anytime they need to react to something, it's all done via paper. It's all tracked via paper. You want to report on something that's done via paper. Um, and as you, as you can imagine, that's a long time consuming process. Um, and it's very, very error prone. So, uh, and, and it requires people, right? So, so you realize the fact that I've got retiring and aging workforce, so people don't want to come into work. I can't have paper process anymore. So the savvy manufacturers are realizing that there's technology available to them to digitize and automate processes to cut away the need for human involvement because mm -hmm. it's not the fact that they don't want people, they don't have yeah. people, um, right? Uh, so we saw in the manufacturers that we tracked through Plex over the pandemic, when they bounced back from the shutdowns last summer, manufacturers late last year were producing 110% off capacity from pre-pandemic levels with 10% fewer workers, which is amazing, right? Wow. So wow. I, can't, I can't get out enough wows on that one. Keep, right? keep going. So, so, so something worked, right? So they did something to do more with less. And, and, and what, what these manufacturers realized is 
there's a lot of controls and automation available, technology available for them in manufacturing for us to do things like air proof production control, right? So the operator is loaded the wrong part. The machine will stop the operator and say, you've got the wrong part, right? You've got the wrong program loaded, or this is not loaded correctly, or the uh, 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 quality of the part at the end of the day doesn't meet mark, right? So it's automatically rejecting parts, so error-proofed, data-driven quality. Um, you can digitize and automate traceability, uh, right? So for example, I visited one of our uh, customers a couple of years ago, a big candy manufacturer. Um, uh, with the distribution all over all over the country, you know, uh, I, I love buying their candy from Costco. Name who they are, um, but they they told me they had an incident where they found a uh, uh, box of candy on their warehouse shelf that was damaged uh, because of you know food safety. They had to go back and test were there any allergens or you know what got damaged. They were able to trace back the insertion of an allergen from a particular container from a particular vendor, and we're able to isolate the specific boxes that were contaminated. Now, if you compare that to cyber recalls, we occasionally see in the automotive industry where it was like 400 recalls in the last year, uh, or one out of five automotive, one out of five cars on the road is in an active recall, is, is the stat that I heard. Um, wow. It's scary, right? I, I don't feel safe on the road, but technology you can automate traceability to say, I know what part's bad, I know where it came from, and I know specifically which vehicles were affected. So that's that's the power of kind of digitization and automation. What it's helped uh, the savviest manufacturers do, and one more quick story, I know I'm kind of running along here, but okay. one more quick story. Um, uh, you know, when you think about um, uh, readiness for uh, manufacturing audits or quality audits, Mm-hmm. Most manufacturing customers you would, uh, b- b- most manufacturing facilities you talk to, they'd say getting ready for an audit takes a couple days, right? Everything shuts down, right? Everyone's focused on getting ready for audits because there's so much paperwork involved, so much tracking involved, this, this whole readiness sequence. We have customers that use Plex um, to digitize and automate their entire process, run mock recalls in seven minutes. What? what? Seven minutes. Wow. Not days seven minutes. And that's, that's again, the power of digitization automation, right? You've cut paper away from your process. Everything is recorded. You can search anything. You can track anything. You can find anything. So ima- imagine the impact that has on efficiency, mm-hmm. on productivity, on throughput, on being able to run with fewer, fewer people. Um, that's, that's, that's what the savvy manufacturers are doing. I've heard of scenario planning. I've never heard of mock recalls. I think we should get you back and do a whole show on that. People would be <laughs> fascinated. I'm, I'm talking to Drew Rhodes at OESA right now. Drew, we need, we need yeah. to do a part two with Anurag on that. Yes, <laughs> very, very interesting. What people don't know, we would be very intrigued, I'm sure. I keep saying wow because you're bringing up such interesting topics. Let's go to megatrend number three, Anurag. And this is interesting, supply chain optimization. And I have to tell you that a guest on another Another show I did recently, another radio show said to me, I'm going to tell you a joke about supply chain. And I just sat there and waited. And she said to me, <laughs> she said to me, that was the joke. I'll tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> 
And other people tr- pulled that on me, and I said, no, I, I know that. I, I know that one. Okay. I waited six weeks for a, a storm door for my front, front of my house, I, I know, and three months for a new computer. So let's talk about briefly about supply chain optimization. Megatrend, how are the savviest manufacturers and producers meeting this challenge? This is a wow. Yeah, so, so supply chain is an interesting one, right? Um, uh, it's not something we spent a lot of time in uh, 20 years ago because uh, you weren't pushing systems to the limits to which you're pushing them now, right? Um, we're, we're, we're using old processes and every year the expectation of output continues to increase. At some point at a limit, they say you need more advanced mathematical tools to understand how to plan your supply chain better, right? Um, uh, historically, again, uh, supply chains used to be planned based on average numbers, right? Last year we made X, this year we're gonna need Y. So I'm gonna plan for this. But what what uh, the savviest manufacturers are realizing is even within that, there is more we can do to optimize, right? There's monthly trends, there's seasonal trends, there's constraints to model, right? You, you plan demand, Right? how much your customers are going to want, you can supply, right? How much, uh, how and where are you going to get raw materials from? And then you model the constraints within your facility, right? When I have a particular machine that goes down on a manufacturing floor, that changes my entire model. Can I react to that quickly enough, right? When one of my suppliers says, we had a big strike, can I quickly... Uh, reshift my supply chain to, to, to get parts from somewhere else. When I have a container stuck um, out in the middle of the sea, can I redirect some other way so I can get new parts to my customers uh, the right way, right? So there's a lot of really interesting things you can do with advanced mathematical modeling, right? So um, uh, what's, the, what's the saying, right? Uh, failing, uh, um, failing to plan is planning to fail. I've heard that. Right, that's yes. that's exactly what that's exactly what we're doing here, right? We're, we're planning better, right? Things don't just work. Um, so the, the savviest manufacturers we've seen are beginning to uh, use more advanced mathematical tools and models to better plan and better execute, right? Planning and performance are tied very very closely together. Um, you know, we, we're we're seeing things like. Um, better supply chain planning means freeing up millions of dollars in operating costs because you're not having raw materials stick around and go bad or you're not running short of raw material and having to pay emergency shipping charges. Uh, we're seeing better inventory turns. We're seeing things like 99% on-time delivery, um, which through the pandemic has been a challenge. You know, It was a challenge before the pandemic. That's right. The savvy manufacturers are doing 99% on-time delivery in the middle of the pandemic, um, right? Toyota, for example, has been one of the uh, auto manufacturers that I, I believe, if I got this right, um, was affected the least through the chip shortage. So uh, the, the, the Toyota planning system is really, really mature, right? So I think what we're seeing is a lot of manufacturers, top tier all the way down to you know tier four suppliers are beginning to think about how do we plan better? And these tools are available they're affordable, right? It, it's no longer something that was available at the top few. Now it's gonna the access is democratized quite a bit. Thank you very so, much. We have one 
it's it's all fascinating. I wish we had hours to talk about this. This is uh, just an introduction of the topics from your expertise. One more mega trend to talk about on a rug, shifting workforce dynamics. And you've mentioned this several times. We've talked about do they still need humans? And what about taking humans out of the the value chain of, of employee experience, if I can put those words together, mm-hmm. okay? And the question yep. is, what do people want to do? What are they trained to do? Where do mm-hmm. they want to work? How do they want to work? What do they want to work on? What will keep people in the workforce? How do you reskill, upskill, retrain people who've been around and don't know these new skills? And how do you attract new people to fill the ranks? So many challenges. How are the savvy manufacturers overcoming these challenges of the workforce dynamics? And the, those are all really great questions, Bonnie, right? Because I mean, I talked about how we've got aging, retiring workforce. I talked about how manufacturers are struggling to find talent. Um, the other part of it is the millennial generation um, doesn't want to work in manufacturing. It is not the sexiest industry to go in, right? It's they, if, 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 they, if they're able to, they want to go into medicine and law and retail and social media and other SaaS companies, right? That's, that's where the sexy careers are. Being in a manufacturing floor isn't considered interesting to this generation. Um, so for manufacturers, the challenge is not just how do we retrain and upskill the existing workforce or how do we run leaner because we can't find enough people, so do we have automation and robots and whatnot, but how do we attract the next generation of millennial talent? Um, and the savviest manufacturers are beginning to think about um, the programs they need to implement to attract millennial talent, right? Either it's upgrading technology, right? The, the, the number of old CRT computer monitors that I've, I continue to see on manufacturing floors is concerning, right? Because that just, be. that, <laughs> that's just like no millennial wants to work in that environment, right? Because it's so not. different from their regular lives. Um, uh, millennials wanna be heard, wanna participate more, right? So one of our customers, as an example, uh, implemented, you know, something simple, right? A, a suggestion box type thing. So make sure their newer, um, younger workforce uh, is heard. And uh, not only did they get better employee engagement, they actually reduced uh, or they actually improved um, uh, uh, production by nine million dollars just by listening to people more, right? So, so it's a so it's a win-win uh, thing. Um, it's not just about um, um, uh, investing to attract more. It, it's how do you make sure people are productive, they're engaged. And, and this is a topic I'm passionate about and I talk, talk about a lot. Um, uh, it requires engagement at all levels, right? Not just manufacturers, but even universities and training programs and community colleges that can help train um, uh, the younger generation to work in this environment. I have to give a definition of CRT because I remember it. <laughs> Some people out there may not know you talked about the CRT monitors. It's cathode, the big boxes. cathode ray tube, right? CRT, <laughs> am I right? Oh, yep. you, you weren't even born then, let me tell you that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Listen, Anurag, too much fun. You have so much good information, and we especially appreciate that you've been there, not done that, been there, you're doing that. You're in the trenches. You know what you're talking about. I love the story about your, your traveling office in the first car. Appreciate that. Let's just take a couple of minutes. Let's wrap up. I'd love you to give briefly advice for manufacturers on the important parts here. How do you build a resilient enterprise? How do you build nimble 
agile, innovative manufacturing processes, given that we know manufacturing is shifting in all the ways you mentioned in the four megatrends. So what's your parting advice for our listeners, our viewers around the world? Anurag? Yeah, um, so lots, lots of Lots of good things to offer, but you know, one of the things I've, I've realized um, in talking to manufacturers about this in the last decade is when we talk about these megatrends um, and, and all these big shifts happening in the industry, it's scary. And my advice to manufacturers uh, always is it doesn't have to be that scary. Right? One thing you need to be sure about is manufacturing facilities of the future will look very different to the manufacturing facilities of today. And in fact, they look very different today to the manufacturing facilities from 20 years ago. Um, when I grew up, my dad worked in, in, in manufacturing uh, uh, plants and uh, he'd go on rounds at night um, and grew up in Thailand. Safety laws weren't so strict. So I got to go and walk the floors with my dad. And what I saw then to what I saw now to what I think I will see 20 years from now is very, very different. The one thing that is constant, I know this is, you know, cliche, the one thing that is constant is change, right? Yes. It is going to change. So my parting advice to manufacturers always is um, change doesn't have to be um, massive and scary. Change can be small, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm, a, I'm an engineer by training, so I'm a bit of a math nerd at times, right? If, if, if you have 1% change every single day, right, tiny, tiny incremental changes every single day over the course of a year you would have seen 38 times in a 38x improvement right one percent every single day um and that's the advice of manufacturers right start small do do small things you know implement changes that are in your control the toyota program um is built on that right they they make three to four hundred small changes every single year within their operation um uh, what can you do to take those small steps today? Because that's where that's where it starts. Um, if you don't, it's a scary world out there in 20 years, right? <laughs> Easy to fall behind. If you don't, you might not have the opportunity to take those small yeah, steps. Exactly. Yes, exactly. you know, the old joke used to be, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? One bite at a time, one exactly. One tiny bite <laughs> at a time. Anurag Garg, such a pleasure to speak with you. You have great sense of humor. I think we just met a couple minutes before we started recording this session. You are so savvy on, on your topic. You have so many great insights. I know that our listeners, and I believe we're making a video out of this, our listeners and our viewers will appreciate your sharing, your knowledge, and your passion. It's all about passion and engagement. People want to know that you really care. We can tell that you really do. Please give my regards to your colleagues at Plex Systems. We're always happy to have someone from Plex on as a guest on OESA Automotive Insiders. And I want to do a shout out to Drew Rhodes and David Johnson and Julie Freeman, and all the wonderful people who helped to make these podcasts possible. So let's wave goodbye for the video on a rag. I'm Bonnie D. Graham Appreciate signing Bonnie off. Bonnie and team. Thank you so Everybody, much. Everybody, don't go away. We'll talk for a second. Everybody drive safe, drive healthy, drive happy. And if you're manufacturing listen to what anurag said they're all applicable they're all real little steps little bites but you have to pay attention and i will say if you want to pay attention go to oesa.org because lots of little and big things are happening at oesa this year and coming into 2022 big plans so everybody be well bye bye <laughs>
Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.